Hey everyone, welcome to episode 87 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Nick Desai, the co-founder and CEO of Heal. Without further ado, let's bring him on. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. How are you today? Very nice. Uh, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Another another week. Excited to uh, you know finish finish things strong. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited for us to be able to talk. I know uh, we touched base uh, not too long ago, and been a huge fan of of Heal for a while now. And uh, I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak. So I think we should dive right into it. If you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, it'd be much appreciated. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, great to be on the podcast today. I'm Nick Desai. I'm the co-founder and chief executive officer of a company called Heal. Um, we're at Heal.com, and we do doctor house calls for primary, preventive, and urgent care, as well as tele video telemedicine for all those same purposes. Tell us why. Why did you decide to get involved with Heal? What was it about the opportunity? And with what you kind of set out to do with Heal, that what was so, I guess, exciting and important to you about getting this thing rolling? Well, it's a it's a great uh, question, and I didn't get involved with Heal as much as I created Heal. Uh, right, uh, I'm the co-founder of the company along with my wife, Dr. Renee Dua, and we created Heal because we had young children. We still have young children, but very young children at the time. Uh, six years ago, infants, and we, my wife's a physician, and I'm, you know, I was the CEO of another startup I had created at the time, and and for us, having being blessed financially and having uh, financial resources, having uh, a doctor in the home, speaking the language, having great health insurance, even with all those things, it was impossibly difficult to get timely quality care for our kids, and and. Um, one Friday afternoon, we were trying to get a hold of our kid's pediatrician, and we, the pediatrician was off because it was Friday afternoon, and the backup service said, this sounds like an emergency, go to the ER, and we sat in the emergency room for seven hours, and on the way home, we said, we got to change healthcare, right? This is, there has to be a better way, and that's what we made, and this is it. Can you, can you talk us through all the different areas of healthcare. So when a patient, when you, when a patient works with the organization, like what, what options they have? Uh, yeah. So when a patient wants to use Heal, uh, we offer basically two options, right? You can get a house call uh, to your door. That's a real doctor coming to your house in person. That's not a virtual experience. It's booked on an iPhone, uh, on an app or a website. Um, and that booking experience is also pretty revolutionary because it takes out the friction of booking healthcare. Uh, we have upfront price transparency. You don't have to sit on hold with anyone. You pick the time slot you want. We're on time to deliver the care, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, and that you can have an on-demand house call within two hours, anytime, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, 365 days a year. We're sitting here uh, on fr the Friday before Thanksgiving. We're open Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, uh, New Year's Day, and every other day, right? Um, 
And you can also build a relationship with your doctor. For example, for my kids, we have a heel pediatrician we see all the time over and over, and we've built a continuity-based relationship with that pediatrician. Um, and the other alternative is you can book. So you can get in your home with that doctor house call, you can get um, urgent care, uh, non-emergency urgent care, but urgent care, primary care, uh, and preventive care, your annual physicals, your well-child exams, all of those things we do in the privacy of your own home, your flu shots, your vaccines, all that stuff. Um, you can also get a video to one-touch video telemedicine for all the same reasons, right? We can, obviously we can't administer a flu shot or draw your blood over video, but we do almost everything else over video, right? And the growth of video right now is obviously uh, accelerated by the by the pandemic because it's the safest way for people to get care, um, and and so so you those are the two options you have with Heal, and you always get a board certified licensed uh, medical doctor who is either a pediatrician, internal medicine, or family medicine doctor. And I'm not sure if this was a recent thing that you launched, but you're in the teletherapy space as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, actually, thank you for reminding me. It is recent, but in California and Georgia now, you can also get mental and behavioral health therapy uh, from licensed clinical psychologists in the privacy and safety and comfort of your own home and coordinated with your primary care provider, as in your doctor, right? And that's a unique approach because uh, we know in healthcare that your mental and physical health are inextricably linked. We know that, right? Yet it is very hard to, your doctor will say, oh, you know, I'm going to refer you to a psychologist or, or, or maybe you should see, you know, seek mental health or whatever. Your, your mental health will say, oh, well, you should manage your diabetes or this or that or whatever the case may be. But nowhere is people putting those, those things together. With HEAL, it's literally your doctor will be on the phone with you or in a video or in your house talking about your diabetes and say, you know, I think you would benefit from, would you be open to some sessions with a clinical psychologist? Great. I'm going to book it. It's booked. There's teletherapy, the records are shared, it's completely coordinated. And right now, we are seeing an explosion of needs in mental health. It was a very stunning moment um, that sticks out two days ago. Uh, as it happens, our, our car was stolen um, from our, on our street. Uh, we'd forgotten the key in the car <laughs> and our car <laughs> was stolen. And we're okay and everything's fine. We have insurance, whatever. But we, uh, we, we called the police to file the police report and it took them like four hours to come to their house and we were fine with that. It was no urgency, but they were just saying we're dealing with an incredible explosion of domestic violence increase because people are in the home because of COVID, et cetera, et cetera, right? Lateral impacts of this, this pandemic. Um, and it was just that, it's just a stark reminder of how much people need behavioral and mental health services at this, at this sort of unusually trying time in human history. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, I, thank you for, for offering that service. And, and it's, it's definitely a, a great new offering for you guys to be able to roll out. Uh, I think it works really well with all your other offerings. What's yes, it really does. And, and the goal is, right, the, the, the key to care is that care should always be integrated, whether it's behavioral and mental health and primary care, and behavioral and mental health really are primary care, right? Or whether it is your primary care doctor and your 
cardiologist or your specialist, or whether it's your physical therapist and your primary care doctor, the more integrated care, because we're one human, right? We're not, well, my bone is different than my brain. If you have a hangnail, right, and it's hurting or you, 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 know, you try to bite it off and then it, it's all you think about. All your energy goes into this freaking little hangnail that you have, right? That's human nature, right? So we, when, when our bodies hurt, our mind hurts. When our mind hurts, our bodies hurt. We're, we're one human and we're one system. And if it's treated at that way, we can get the best results that are not just about curing disease or, hey, you took the pill, so this one thing is going away, but are about, about enabling people to spend more time being well and less time getting well. So I, I really like you bringing up that, you know, care, care is meant to be integrated. And, and I mean, you're definitely taking that approach at heal. Why, why though, as a whole, do you think in healthcare, it's so hard because it, it is difficult, right? To, to have care be integrated. Why, why do you think that is the case? Not, not within heal, but just within the healthcare ecosystem in general. Yeah. Be, because, because care was very, so it used to be, right, 50 years ago, I was born, I'm 50 years old. In 1970, 50% of primary care in America was still delivered in your home, right? Then a couple of things happened. In the late 60s, Medicare came along, I think 1965. And so, and, and people started living longer, right? Look at how the life expectancy. People are living 15 years longer than they were 50 years ago, probably more, right? So people are living longer and science advanced and insurance was covering these things. So care became very vertical, right? Okay, so we, we started looking at care and doctors started training around systems, right? Cardiology, vascular with pulmonology, right? Uh, nephrology, your kidneys, neurology, your brain, uh, orthopedics, your bones, uh, psychiatry, uh, et cetera. They started treating vertically. And we got very good at that. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, right? We got very good at identifying the number of people who dropped dead. I, one of the most interesting stats is over the last 15 years, 20 years, the number of uh, bypass surgeries has dropped by two thirds because of the advent of statins, right? Hey, you have high cholesterol, your lipid profiles, this takes a uh, uh, Lipitor, you know, et cetera, right? We've gotten good at those things and that's important. But now what's important is we got to put these pieces back together in a way that data flows. The other big problem is the data is very siloed. You go to XYZ hospital for your surgical procedure. So they have the data on that, but your primary care doctor's over there, your nephrologist is over there and your psychologist is a cash pay. So they're not on any of these systems and the data doesn't flow, right? Back to my stolen car. When I, when our car was stolen, okay, we had to buy a new car. You know how easy it is to do that? I go online, I pick the car I want, I fill out a lease application. I, I called the dealer and haggled a bit for five minutes, but, and literally the car comes to my house because my financial information, my credit score, all that information, if I pro click a few buttons online, is immediately, instantly available to that car dealer to say, hey, this guy's good credit, let's bring him a new car, right? Whatever the case may be. But that is not always that is not true in healthcare. In fact, the opposite is true in healthcare, right? And so that the data is siloed. So between the providers thinking vertically and the data being siloed, we have created fiefdoms, 
okay, rather than a unified approach to healthcare delivery. That's a great point. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's well, and and on that point, obviously, uh, what you're doing at Heal and just telehealth in general, right, has really, I think, made it a point at really taking that integrated care approach even more so than we do in the traditional uh, our regular our health systems and uh, outpatient centers, right? I think everyone was trying, but it seems like what you're doing at Heal, like you made that more, much more of a focus from day one. And it's clear when you're offering these different types of services and you're being able to explain to me how kind of they're integrated and how they work together. Um, on, on that note, let's take a second to talk about, obviously it's been a, 2020 has been a crazy year with COVID. How did COVID affect uh, Heal, either positively, negatively, uh, I'd love to hear that. Well, look, the, the first thing, you know, I got to ask this question, you, you might imagine in every press interview, right? Um, and and I, I I don't like it in some ways. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not attacking you for asking the question. Yeah. I don't like it because 250,000 Americans are dead. 2,000 Americans are dying a day. The, the 10 million people who have survived COVID, we don't know what kind of long-term health impacts they're gonna have, but we're gonna be talking in three to five years about COVID onset diabetes and COVID onset dementia and COVID onset amputations. And we don't know those neurological disorders. We don't know what we're gonna be talking about, right? We do know that it's going to be serious and it's gonna be uh, significant, right? Um, and we're just learning those things. This is a national and global tragedy. And in America, it bears mention, and I, this is not a political point, but I don't mind if people take it that way. This pandemic has been catastrophically mishandled in the United States in a way that is impossible to imagine that this is supposed to be the richest, most advanced, most capable country in the world. We, we have done worse than almost any country in the world, and it's a, it's a calamity, right? So that's my first position on COVID. As it relates to HEAL, the pandemic has accelerated people's adoption of the home and the and the video, as in telemedicine, as a primary point of care delivery and not a secondary point, not an alternative, right? So when Amazon came along, there were bookstores, there were giant barns and nobles, that, right? And you'd go in them and there were three stories and they had a cafes in there and all this stuff. And you'd spend a couple of hours ruminating and picking books. And I, I'm a, I'm a, I love to read, but... And, and eh, okay, I wanted some simple thing. Okay, I'll go order an Amazon now. You don't even think about leaving your house, right? Hey, wait, what do you mean Amazon's, Amazon doesn't sell this? Well, if Amazon doesn't sell, I just don't want to buy it, right? So similarly, I think we're seeing that, and, and, and we're seeing this in entertainment, right? Now the streaming is not the secondary platform for the release of content, but it's a primary platform. Studios are rethinking does this movie go on streaming first or does this movie go on Netflix first, right? And I think what's happened in healthcare now is exactly that, right? Which is, this is that watershed moment where people start saying, the, the doctor's office is the weird arcane place to go, not my video or, or my, my house, right? Those are the primary places 
for me to get healthcare, right? Now, that being said, it is challenging. This is a, you know, people think, oh, it's good for customers, good for this, good for that. I'll tell you two important challenges, one that affects us operationally and one that affects our patients. Do you know how many people right now are putting off regular preventative care, regular primary care, their check-ins for their cancer screenings, their diabetes, because they're afraid of getting COVID, right? So they're putting off everything else. In fact, compared to the number of seniors who traditionally get an annual wellness visit, we're at about a third of that in America, right? That's a lot of misdiagnosis and a lot of early detection that could have happened that is not happening right now right? So that's bad for the patients. Uh, on our side, look, at first, everyone went to work from home and the first couple months was great and people were productive. But now we're seeing the branch creep, right? As this thing drags on and on, people are more into their lifestyle. People have gone back to school, which is fine. People want to choose a different job. People are moving in together and not working all together. People don't have the opportunity to work because they're the caretakers for someone who's sick or for their young children, right? So it is, you know, it's, an, it's adverse to the operation. So I, I, for one, cannot wait for this to be something where, A, it's significantly better managed through hopefully a national mask mandate, and and B, uh, the advent of of, uh, vaccine and inoculations that can help most people. Um, But, you know, it has certainly accelerated the adoption of outside of office as a primary point of healthcare delivery. Oh, that's a good take. You're you're right too. I've I've heard that from more relatives. Putting off that that standard, even if it's just a regular you know yearly check in, because they're worried that they're gonna. It, 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 I mean, and and some of it seems like right, right? Like to be worried about, uh, to be worried about that. So you're right. Even even if it means growth for the the telehealth industry, you know, as a whole, obviously this has been a horrible. Uh, the the pandemic has been horrible for for everyone. Look, I think think that impact cannot be understated, right? And to me, yesterday I had the unique privilege, one of my hobbies in my life, other than my day job and my three wonderful children, is neural prosthetics. I have, a, I have a very, very close friend who's the world's leading researcher in neural prosthetics. And, and, and so I got to chair, uh, be the moderator for a UCLA, which is one of the top um, neural prosthetics uh, institutions in the country, um, to chair a panel with, I mean, world-class surgeons and neurologists. And, world, and, and they were talking about, we don't know how many people are going to get amputated because of COVID, but it could be in the tens of thousands. It could be in the hundreds of thousands. It could be, who's gonna pay for that? Forgetting the human tragedy of that, where's that money coming from, right? Is that gonna be a pre-existing condition? We don't know, we're just, right now we're not even dealing with the, hey, there's a pandemic and we have to avoid getting it, much less what's gonna happen next. Wow. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Oh, that's a cool opportunity that you, uh got to be involved with huh it was it was fascinating we were i'm a hobby i mean i'm an engineer by education and i'm a hobbyist if you will right in the field but to sit and talk to people who are at the bleeding edge of implanting optically uh, optic uh, neuro uh, sorry electro photonic and, and optically activated uh electrodes in our brain to understand 
uh, and decode motor function to drive artificial limbs with the fidelity to hu human organs for people who are amputated. It's fascinating stuff. It is, it is really just like, I was like, wow, this is, this is the most impressive thing I've ever got to be part of, right? Where I was clearly the dumbest person in the room. Wow. How, how many days was, was that across one day or was, was it? No, multiple? it was, it was a, I, so I was the host of a 90 minute panel that UCLA put together with their leading neurologist, their leading hand surgeon, um, their leading electronics and mechanical engineering people who are leading this work, right? So it was, uh, for me, it was a, it was a privilege. I was just, I was moderating. I'm a UCLA alumni. I did my master's there in electrical engineering years ago and uh, you know, I love giving back to the university, but this was something they asked me to moderate, and I, I fell in love with the opportunity of doing it. Yeah, I mean, well, especially you said it was already one of your hobbies to begin with, uh, and a huge area of interest for you. So that's that's really exciting that you got to be involved with that. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. No. This is. Let me let me just say this has been great to to have you on the podcast and to be able to hear more about you, your hobbies, heal and. Uh, kind of diving more into this pandemic. So I, I thank you again for, for being a guest. It means a lot. Hey, everyone. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is building the ecosystem of healthcare solutions and services to power the future of healthcare. Through Block Health, healthcare professionals and organizations can use their credentialing data for more. They can use the platform to store their credentialing and licensing related documents, fill out a smart common application that could be used to order multiple different services like provider enrollment, state license registration, state license renewals, and much more. To learn more about Block Health, please go to www.blochealth.com. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.